Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to encourage you, if you have not already, to pick up your copy of All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo and All I Needed to Know I Learned from Dragnet. These two ebooks examine the careers and history of seven great fictional detectives and policemen and life lessons that can be learned from them. They are available as ebooks or as audiobooks through audible.com or the Apple Store. And you can find all my books, audiobooks, and ebooks at store.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date is February the 27th, 1947, and the title is The Murdoch Murder Case. Okay, Pinky, climb down off her back and throw a blanket over her. How'd she do? Well, she went a little slow in her turn, Mr. Burke, but she sure opened up plenty good when I got her into the stretch. Plenty good. She's a winner, this horse is. <laughs> Miss Murdoch will be glad to hear that. I sure wish she was my horse, Mr. Burke. Sure wish she was. I sure wish I was riding her in a race, too. Oh, you'll ride someday, Pinky. <laughs> All jockeys have to be exercise boys to start. Well, take the filly over to her stall and rub her down, will you? I sure will, Mr. Burke. Sure like this here horse. Come on, Princess. Come on, add it, girl. <laughs> Better get you over to your stall and pick up some nice, clean stripes to sleep on. You can get some sleep. <laughs> What's so funny, Burke? Oh, hello, Billy. Didn't hear you come into the stable. Yeah, I don't make much noise. I'm so small, you can hardly hear me. Fact is, when I was in school, I had to keep yelling or I'd be marked absent. Nobody could see me. Well, why aren't you laughing at that? It's not terribly funny. Bart, sometimes you're going to learn that when a star jockey tells a gag, it's a good thing if a horse trainer laughs it up. Especially if the star jockey happens to be friendly with the trainer's boss, like I am with Miss Murdoch. How long do you think you'd be friendly with Miss Murdoch if she knew as much about you as I do? Oh, not long. Only there's a couple of ifs you want to remember. One of them is if she believed you, and the other one is if you had nerve enough to rat on me. I'll be the talking type, Burke. Open that mouth of yours out of turn sometime, pal, and I'm telling you now, I'll close it for you. Permanently. Miss Medock will see you now, Mr. Burke. This way, please. Thanks, Andrew. She's in the library. Seemed a bit disturbed that you were calling, sir. Most people are disturbed when you come over to tell them things for their own good. I wouldn't know about that, sir. Please go in. Thanks. Very good, sir. Miss Murdoch. 
Well, what is it, Bert? What is it? Oh, I thought perhaps you hadn't heard me come in. The butler announced you. Opened the door for you. I heard you say my name, and you thought I didn't know you were there. You seem so occupied in that book, I If the book were interesting, I wouldn't have seen you at all. Well, what is it? Miss Murdoch, it's about Billy Albert, your jockey. What about him? He isn't honest, Miss Murdoch. I know that for a fact. I thought perhaps you wouldn't want him riding for you if you knew about him. Oh, you thought that, did you? Mr. Burke, what is it that you're paid to do? Train your horses, breed them, run your training farm. Not to question my judgment of people? <laughs> well, hardly, Miss Murdoch. I never intended to do that. All I wanted to do was tell you something you didn't know. What makes you think I didn't know? I'm a little surprised that you knew, but that isn't too difficult a situation to remedy. After all, you do work for me. Yes, Miss Murdoch. So you won't talk. Not as long as you're in my employ, you won't. And if you ever leave my employ... <laughs> well, perhaps it might be arranged that you won't talk anymore. Yes, sir, Mr. Bill. How are you tonight, sir? All right. You seen Burke? I sure have. He's in his office. Looks like the moon fell down on him. Gonna go see him? Yep. Well, uh, don't get in any mood like he's in. Been in it all day, too. Hey, uh, as long as yours is assistant out here, maybe you could do some assistant in the trouble he's having. Maybe uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Huh? <laughs> Might not be at that. Hey, you're pretty dolled up for an <laughs> exercise boy. Where are you going, Pinky? Out. Got me new suit, new tie, and the same old girl. I'm stepping out tonight, Mr. Phil. <laughs> Go ahead, Pinky. Only watch that step a little. <laughs> I sure will, Mr. Phil. I sure will. Tonight's tonight. Yes, sir. Tonight's tonight. <laughs> Come in. Evening, boss. Oh, hello, Phil. Come in. Hey, you've got the lows, Mr. Burke. What's wrong? Nothing very much. Nothing you can help me with, I suppose. Well, what's on your mind, Phil? I need some money, Mr. Burke. thousand dollars. <laughs> Who doesn't? I need it bad, Mr. Burke. A couple of bets I made went haywire. You've been betting on horses, Phil? Well, I thought they were horses when I made bets on them. I haven't got a thousand bucks, Mr. Burke. You've got to lend it to me. You know, Miss Murdoch has a rule about her employees betting on horses. Oh, now, look, I don't want to lecture. I want the money. You can get it and take it out of my pay. Murdoch girl will give it to you if you ask for it. If I ask for it, maybe she will. But I'm not going to. In fact, I don't know why I shouldn't tell her that you've disregarded her orders about betting. I wouldn't do that, Mr. Burke. That way, I'd never get the money I need, would I? No. But that's your problem. I can't worry about you and me, Phil. Hmm. No, I... I guess you can't. But that being the case, Mr. Burke... Maybe you'd better do some extra worrying about you. Sit down, Markham, sit down. Hmm. Nice to have you drop in on me this evening. Thank you, Vance. I got through at the office and thought I'd come in here after dinner. You know, this business of being a district attorney has many complications, Vance, and only a few compensations. Uh, one of them is you. 
Well, very pretty compliment, Markham. Thank you very much. May I add to that speech that my profession of private investigating could very easily become a chore without the incentive of the cases you called me in on? Okay. We're even. (laughs) (laughs) And now to the purpose of my call. Yes? Could you take the evening off to go over to the club for a game of billiards? I'd like to, Markham. I'd like to very much. Just give me a second to slip out of this robe and into a coat. Turn the radio on if you like. I will. Oh, I've got a new three-cushion shot to show you that's terrific, Vance. Not fair. You've been practicing. Very good. Very good. And now for your last question, sir. What is the capital of the state of Maine? Now tell me quickly before a gust of wind comes into the studio. What have you got there, Martha? <laughs> a quiz show, apparently. No, no, no. No coaching, please. No help from the audience. Come on now, sir. The, the capital of the state of Maine. A gust of wind will come into the... Ah, uh, Augusta! That's right! That's right! Lots of fun, these quiz shows, Margaret. Yes, I enjoy them. Let's listen for a moment, Vance. All right, now, everybody. We're ready for our next contestant. Your name, sir? Billy Alberts. Well, welcome to our game, Mr. Alberts. What do you do for a living, may I ask? I'm a jockey for the Murdoch Stables. Well, you're a good man to know. I once knew a fellow came to a betting window, and he said... I want to bet $5 on this horse. And then the man said, on his nose, the fellow said, on his nose, on his back, on his tail, everywhere, so even if he comes in sideways, I win. <laughs> well, Mr. Alberts, you've selected a topic to talk about. Now let's have your slip. Popular songs, huh? Well, okay, here's your first question. Name five songs that Irving Berlin composed. Uh, always, Because I Love You. That's two. Uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band, remember, and, and Blue Sky. That's five. That's correct. In fact, that's wonderful. Well, turn that off, will you please, Mark? I'll get the phone. Sure, man. Hello? Mr. Vance, this is Sally Henderson, Mr. Markham's secretary. Is he there? Why, yes, Miss Henderson, just a moment. For you, Markham, your secretary. Uh-oh, bye-bye, billiards. Yeah, thanks, Vance. Hello. Mr. Markham, I'm glad you left word where you could be reached. Sergeant Heath of the homicide just called you. There's been a murder, and he thought you'd want to get there right away. I most certainly do. Who was killed, Miss Henderson? A man named Edward Burke. He was a horse trainer. Shot with a forty-five automatic about 15 minutes ago at the Murdoch stable. Thank you very much. I'm on the way. Goodbye, Miss Henderson. Goodbye, sir. Well, Vance, we're on the way to a murder. Horse trainer named Edward Burke was killed. Burke? He trains for the Murdoch stables, doesn't he? That's right. He's... Say, that jockey we just heard on the air was from the Murdoch stables, too. Quite a coincidence. Yes, it is. Well, you were talking a while ago about a very difficult billiard shot. Apparently, a murderer has called his shot, Markham. Perhaps we can call his hand. The Murdoch stables where the body was found are miles from here. Why did you ask me to stop the car outside the Murdoch house? Because Sergeant Heath is at the stables with the body, Markham. He'll find anything there that I might find. I thought someone at the Murdoch house might give us something to work on. After all, the Murdochs own the stables. <laughs> I've learned better than to argue with you, Vance. Don't ever stop, please. I'm not always as certain as I sound. We might find out absolutely nothing here. We certainly won't if we don't get inside. I'll handle that detail. Oh, uh, I hope you have your calling card ready, Vance. Miss Carol Murdoch is very sociable. You mean she's very rich? Markham, some of the richest people I know are antisocial. Yes, sir. Uh, District Attorney Markham and Mr. Philo Vance to see Miss Carol Murdoch. Miss Murdoch is not at home. Would you care to come in and wait? Vance? We would. Very good, gentlemen. 
Oh, uh, you might wait in the library if you like, right this way. Oh, there's someone else in the library, a Mr. Billy Alberts. He works for Miss Murdoch. Billy Alberts, the radio star? He's a jockey, sir. I know, but he was on the air tonight. How does it happen he's here? He telephoned after the program, and I informed him of Mr. Burke's death. He came in only a few moments ago to wait for Miss Murdoch. I see, and where is she? I'm sorry, sir, that I do not know. She'll return presently, I imagine. She always has. Make yourselves at home right through that door there. Thank you. Well, good evening, young man. You're Billy Alberts? Yes, I'm Alberts. I'm District Attorney Margot, Mrs. Philo Vance. Vance, a private dick? I suppose you could call me that. I'm glad to have an opportunity of speaking to you, Mr. Alberts. You undoubtedly knew Mr. Burke. Sure, he trained horses for Miss Murdoch. Any idea who might have killed him? Search me. He had an assistant who had ambitions. A guy named Phil Dexter. Phil Dexter, eh? No. You should remember to talk to him. Anybody else? Well, nobody I know of. I could have a lot of guys sore at him that I wouldn't know, though. Mm, that's entirely reasonable, I'd say. Mr. Alberts, we understand that Edward Burke was killed at about 9.10 tonight. We know you were on the radio shortly after that time. In fact, we heard you. Hey, uh, was I good? Very. Ah. Tell me, how long had you been in the radio studio? Well, let's see now. The show went on the air at 9. We picked us contestants out of the studio audience at about 8.30. I must have got there about 8.15, I guess. And Burke was killed an hour later while you were still in the studio. Oh, well, right? sure, Mr. Right. Albert, I'd like to... Hey, that's Carol's voice. Some guy's with her. Maybe the murderer. Come on, Vance. I'm with you, Markham. No use arguing, miss. I'm staying that's right here. a cop with Miss Murdoch. Listen, you... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll handle this, Alberts. Good evening, officer. I'm Markham, district attorney. Oh, hello, Mr. Markham. And how are you this evening? Well, how are you this evening? You in a minute. Mr. Markham, this officer of yours has been pushing me around, and I won't stand for it. I'm Carol Murdoch. No, no, take it easy, Mr. Murdoch. What's wrong, officer? Well, I picked this young lady up about an hour and a half ago, Mr. Markham. She was speeding, going like a bat, headed for this place. For a half hour, she wouldn't tell me who she was. Then, when we finally get to headquarters, she tells me her name is Carol Murdoch. Well, that's who she is. She is Carol Murdoch. Shut up, Sonny. I'm talking to Mr. Markham. Uh, yeah. So, Mr. Markham, I asked to see her license, and she says she hasn't got any. Then, when I want to take her in again, she said she left it at home. So, here we are. I see. Uh, what time did you pick her up, officer? Oh, I should say about 9.20. And the murder was committed at about 9.10, eh, Markham? So we've been informed. Look, I know all about the murder. I heard it firsthand over the police radio. I know one of my men was killed. But that doesn't give this... this cop any license to treat me like a criminal. Driving without a license is against the law, Miss Murdoch. Officer, where did you pick her up? Just a short distance from her own stable, sir. And you heard about this murder from the police radio, Miss Murdoch? Yes, of course I did. Ask this, this big lug here. He heard it with me. That's right, sir. Oh, I don't doubt that you heard about it over the police radio, Miss Murdoch. I was just wondering if it was news to you when you did hear it. This is District Attorney Markham. The Murdoch murder case began when Edward Burke, trainer for the Murdoch stables, owned by Carol Murdoch, was found dead. Vance has questioned Billy Alberts, a jockey who was on a quiz program at the time of the murder, and also questioned Carol Murdoch, who was caught by a motorcycle policeman coming from the murder scene at about the time of the murder. Still to be interviewed by him is Phil Dexter, assistant to the dead man. 
But I understand Vance is taking care of that detail right now in the Murdoch home. We have been at the house... I tell you more if I know any more, Mr. Vance, but I don't. Honest, I don't. Let me go, Mr. Vance. Let me go. I'm not stopping you from leaving, Mr. Dexter. Police might, but I won't. But you've been asking me the questions, Mr. Vance. If you said to let me go, they'd let me go. They might, but they'd only pick you up again. Why don't you tell me what you know of this case, and then you'll be clear of it once and for all. All I know is what I told you. The last time I saw Mr. Burke, he was worried about something. Just been to the house here, he told me, and he was worrying. Don't ask me about what I don't know. Tell me all about the last time you saw him alive in detail. Okay, okay. I was walking toward the stable when I saw Pinky. Pinky? Pinky's an exercise boy. Mm -hmm. About 6.30, and I asked Pinky if he knew where Mr. Burke was, and he said, sure, in his office. And I said so long to Pinky, and I went in. Where was Pinky going, do you know? No. Yes, yes, I do know. He was all dolled up in a new suit, and he said he had a big date in town. He was pretty happy about something. I see. Then you spoke to Burke and found out that he was worried. Well, that's what he told me anyhow, but he didn't say about what. Excuse me, Vance. Well, come on in, Markham. Thank you. It was a phone call for me, and I didn't want to take it out in the hall. More privacy in here. I thought you'd released our jockey suspect, Mr. Billy Alberts. I did. I sent him home about an hour ago, Vance. But Miss Carol Murdoch is still in the house, and I just don't want to be overheard in case this is important. I see. Mr. Dexter, you may leave. Only be somewhere that I can reach you in case I have to, will you please? Yes, yes, sir. I will, Mr. Vance. I'll be at home. Well, Markham, go right ahead. The coast is clear and the phone is yours. Thank you, Vance. I can take that call now. Markham speaking. Mr. Markham, this is Miss Henderson. Yes, Miss Henderson. The homicide department called with some information I thought you'd like to have. Hope I didn't disturb you. Well, go right ahead, Sally. Oh, just a minute. You hear this, Vance? Yeah, I yeah, can. Go ahead, Sally. A body has just been found about 10 miles from where you are now. Yes. It was shot in the head by a 45 automatic and tossed out of a car, the police believe. I see. Any identification? Positive identification, Mr. Markham. It was an exercise jockey employed by the Murdoch stables. His name was Pinky Rice. Mm -hmm. That's all the information that was given. Fine. Thank you, Miss Henderson. You're welcome, sir. Goodbye. Well, a second murder, eh, Markham? Yes. Connected with the Murdoch family and its stables. Well, this certainly complicates things, doesn't it? On the contrary, Markham. I'd say it simplifies things quite a bit. In fact, I'd say it points pretty directly to the murderer. Really? Is that you, Carol? Yes, where are you? Right here. I've been waiting for you over the side of the road where I wouldn't be seen. Well, all right, I'm here. What's all the mystery? Why did you call and ask me to meet you here? Take it easy. I uh, thought you'd like to know what I think about the murder of your trainer, Berg. And a Pinky, the exercise boy. Oh, so that's what it is, huh? Mm -hmm. What's there to talk about that you couldn't say on the phone? Oh, I had no reason for privacy. I uh, thought maybe you might want it, though. You see, I know you had a battle with Burke. Your butler told me. I pay him for his services rendered. Apparently, you did, too. <laughs> That's right. As I understand it, you threatened Burke. You want to know why I did? To protect you, you fool. He knew something about you. Did you kill him to protect me, too? No. That's not saying I might not have if I thought it would stop him from touching me. You see, 
That's the way I feel about you, dear. Yeah, you've been trying to convince me of that for quite some time now. You'd get tired of me, though. Probably. I got tired of everything else in my life. But what has that to do with what you called me about? Oh, everything. Now, take me. I'm a good jockey. I make good money. In a couple of years, I'm a little too old to ride. I don't make such good money. Carol, how much is it worth if the police don't know about your threats to Bert? You're not that low. <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure. You can't prove I killed Bert. Oh, maybe not. But according to the cop who picked you up, you were near enough to the stables to have done it. Billy. Hmm? Where were you when Bert was killed? Me? I was on the radio being a genius. I was practically talking on the air when Bert got hurt. And when Pinky was killed? Where were you then? Home. Ah, there's no heat on me. Now, uh, let's get back to the important reason for this little meeting. How much is your life worth? Quite a bit, Billy. In fact, I value it a whole lot higher than I do yours. Everybody in the next room, Markham? Everybody you asked for, Vance. Billy Alberts, the jockey, Carol Murdoch, and the young man who found Bert's body, Phil Dexter. Good. We'll go in in a moment. I'm pretty sure one of those three is our murderer, Markham. Well, if you are, I am too. I think, of course, that Pinky, the exercise boy, was killed by the same person that murdered Burke. The connection may not be terribly apparent to you at the moment, but I imagine it will be shortly. All I can say is I hope you're right, Vance. All I can say is I hope your hope comes true. Well, come on, let's go in. Oh, there you are. I'm man. sorry to have kept the three of you here so long, but it couldn't be helped. And I promise that two of you will be able to leave this room very shortly. Mr. Vance, I found somebody who saw me away from the Murdoch stables at the time Mr. Burke was shot. You see, that's why I wanted you to let me out so I could find somebody. That's very convenient, Mr. Dexter. Did you find someone to alibi for you, Miss Murdoch? I don't need any alibi, Mr. Burns. I didn't do anything, and you can't prove that I did. That's right, I can't, as yet. Mr. Alberts? You don't want anything to do with me, Vance. I was on the radio when Burke was killed, and I was home when Pinky got knocked off. That's quite according to what I've been led to understand. Well, I don't want to appear overly dramatic, but one of you three killed two men. I have some questions I want to ask each of you. Answer, I don't know, if you don't know. That will be all right. Mr. Dexter? Yes? Two questions for you. One, how many shots in a forty-five automatic? I don't know. Who wrote the song, Memory Lane? What are you trying to do, man? Spit me into saying something? I don't know how that can mean anything. All I know is I don't know. Hmm. Singularly devoid of information, isn't he, Vance? Perhaps he told us more than he realizes, Markham. Miss Murdoch, your questions. Where on an automatic pistol is the safety catch? Near the thumb. It can be released by the thumb. Thank you. Your other question. Victor Herbert was a great composer. Who wrote most of the lyrics of his operettas? I haven't the slightest idea of who wrote the lyrics, of why you're asking me stupid questions, or who killed the two men that worked for me. All I can do is assure you that I have. You think because I know about automatics Please, that I... Miss Murdoch, don't try to tell me what I think. Mr. Alberts. Now yeah, what? It's question time for you. Who wrote the popular song of some time ago titled, Remember... I don't know. Jerome Kern, Cole Porter, one of those characters. I don't want to know. Your second question. 
How was a clip fed into a forty-five automatic? I don't... Uh, why lie about it? It's fed to the bottom of the grip. Everybody who's ever seen a movie knows that. Any more questions? No, I think not. Markham, did those questions mean anything to you? Uh, no, Vance. As a matter of fact, they didn't. But I haven't the slightest idea of what the answers proved. No? Well, then I'll tell you. They told me that Billy Alberts killed Burke and Pinky. Oh, no, you don't, Vance. Wait. I don't know if you're bluffing, I guess, or if you really know something. But I'm not taking any chances. They're not saddling me with any murder rap. Not when I got two legs and this gun to get me out. Well, thank you, Miss Murdoch. I'm afraid the vase you hit him with is pretty well shattered, though. What if it is? You just see to it that Billy Alberts gets put in jail all in one piece. I'm waiting, Vance. I'm not playing games, Markham. I just wanted to finish these notes. It's all there. Now, uh, what is it you're waiting for? An explanation, of course, as to how you knew it was Billy Alberts who killed Burke and Pinky. All I knew was that Alberts was on the radio when Burke was killed. Well, that wasn't Alberts at all. It was Pinky, establishing an alibi for Billy Alberts. That's the reason Alberts had to kill him, to avoid any possible future blackmail. You knew that? Of course. Remember when we heard that quiz program together, the master of ceremonies asked the contestant who was supposed to be Billy Alberts to name five songs by Irving Berlin. Yes, and he named them. One of the songs was titled, Remember. Remember? Yes, and the contestant included it. Right. But when I asked Billy Alberts who wrote the song Remember, he didn't know. He couldn't very well know one night and not the next, could he? Hmm. No. Therefore, it wasn't he we heard on the quiz show. It was Pinky. Yes, I know that's right, but... How did Billy Alberts know that Pinky would be sure to get on the radio and give him an alibi? After all, contestants at radio shows are selected at random. All Pinky had to do was bribe somebody who was supposed to be on the program, or in other words, buy that person's ticket. No problem there. No, I can't argue against that either. You know, Vance, Miss Murdoch was very helpful to us. She told us why Alberts killed Burke, and she really hit the lad with that vase when he tried to break away, didn't she? That she did. That little smack on the head was the end of Billy Albert's escape plan. And, uh, also, Vance, the end of the Murdoch murder case. Welcome back. I 
do hope the writers of Philo Vance never ended up writing for a comedy show or quiz show. Because that host jokes. Overall, though, I thought it was a pretty good episode with a solution that made sense. Certainly, our murderer didn't think everything through, as it would really uh, be easy for the host or anyone at the studio to identify who actually appeared on the game show. Alibis that require additional murders with additional alibis are kind of pointless. So, it was nice to have the... Boss Lady end up providing the ultimate rescue for Vance and Markham with washing him over the head. She might put up with dishonesty, but committing a murder and then blackmailing her probably is just a little bit too much for her to stand. The listener comments and feedback, and I've got a comment here from Mark, and he's writing in regarding the tree trunk murder case. Do you know what I hated about the woman who cut the tree kill down killing her son? This phrase was driving me crazy. Like as not. I'm certainly not going to play this again to just to count how many times it was used, uh, but that sure did get on my nerves. On the other hand, I love most of the stories you post and have a real fun time listening to them, usually in the car. Keep it up, Adam. Well... Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate the comment. And yeah, there will be cases where writers use the same uh, phrase over and over again. And it can become annoying. Uh, you know, I think depending on the writer and how much you enjoy what's going on overall, you might let it pass. And also kind of depending on how repetitive it is. Like, one thing when I was listening through uh, Greg Taylor's you know, fantastic Decoder Ring theater series, and there are a few phrases that get used a lot by a wide variety of different characters. And uh, I think because he likes those uh, phrases. One is that someone will make a statement and like to amplify it. So, uh, another character will say, isn't it just? Like, yeah, this is a very clever plan. Isn't it just? Now, of course, Mr. Taylor is Canadian, so I don't know, it might be a more common phrase there, but it seems to come up like every episode or so somebody would say that. I, it was uh, enough of a thing for me to notice it, but not so much of a thing to take away from my enjoyment. Suppose if he had an episode where, you know, four or five times people were saying, isn't it just, that might get a bit wary. So that's something that writers as well as directors should you know, keep an eye out for. Thanks so much uh, for the comment, Mark. And now it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Neil. Neil has been one of our Patreon supporters since September 2019, currently supporting us at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Neil. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We will be back next Thursday with another episode of Philo Vance. But coming up tomorrow, it's time for an adventure with that man with the action-packed expense account. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Now you can stop here.
right over here, sir. They found Mr. Forbes right down there, sir. Hmm. Long drop. Yes, sir. Well, I guess under the right circumstances, it'd be pretty easy to miss your footing along here. It was very foggy last night. Yeah. Well, come on. I'll drive you back. Uh, Mr. Dollar. Hmm? Mr. Dollar, I don't know quite how to say this. I've nothing ready to go on except, well, I'm not convinced that Mr. Forbes' death was an accident. Why aren't you? It's hard to say. Until this morning, until some time after they found him, I didn't think it could be anything else. When the police questioned me, I didn't even consider another possibility. But Mr. Forbes has been taking walks at night, every night ever since I came to work. He's walked in all kinds of weather. He knew those cliffs from one end to the other. Well, people take showers in the same shower year after year, and still a certain percentage of them slip and break their necks. It's not just the walks and the fact that Mr. Forbes was so familiar with these cliffs. It's a lot of little things that have happened over the past two or three months. Nothing really definite. <clears throat> telephone calls. What kind of telephone calls? Several times Mrs. Forbes has made calls. Several times I happened to overhear part of the conversations. They were affectionate. Affectionate? Yes, I, I thought she was talking to Mr. Forbes. But several times I discovered through dinner conversations between Mr. and Mrs. Forbes that she hadn't spoken to him during the day that he'd been out of the city. Well, it, it's really awfully hard to explain. Just how affectionate were these calls? Quite affectionate. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, Instagram.com slash GreatDetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.